The gospel lesson is read from Mark chapter 10, verses 17 through 31. As Jesus was setting out on a journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. He said to him, Teacher, I have kept all these since my youth. Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said, You lack one thing. Go, sell what you own and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. When he heard this, he was shocked and went away grieving, for he had many possessions. Then Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were perplexed at these words, but Jesus said to them again, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. They were greatly astounded and said to one another, then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, For mortals it is impossible, but not for God. For God, all things are possible. Peter began to say to him, Look, we have left everything and followed you. And Jesus said, Truly I tell you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for my sake and for the sake of the good news who will not receive a hundredfold now in this age, houses, brothers, and sisters, mothers and children and fields with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last will be first. The Gospel of our Lord. Wow, that's quite the gospel lesson. So I think I need a prayer. Would you pray with me? Dear God, as we hear your word this morning, we perhaps are cut to the quick. And we pray that you would give us wisdom and understanding And that as we listen this morning to your word, that you'd give us open hearts, open minds, and teachable spirits. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, when I read the gospel for today and realized I drew the short straw and I'd be preaching on it. Thanks, Jan. (laughs) No, just kidding. Um, I had the opportunity to preach on this uh, great text. Um, I kind of went... Ouch, because I can identify with the rich man. 
who had a lot of stuff. You know, I've got a lot of stuff. And I don't think I'm the only one. I did a little research and read that the average American home has 300,000 items in it. I wonder who did all that counting. <laughs> you need to store that stuff, too. And, and sometimes when you move or are downsizing, um, you need to actually then rent storage space, right? We, we can never have enough storage space. Storage is in demand. I did a little research, and did you know that there are between 44,000 to 52,000 storage units in the United States? And that there are between uh, 2.3, that equals 2.3 billion square feet. That's the average of seven square feet per person. And about 9% of all households will rent a self-storage unit. The average monthly cost of that is $91.14. And in the last three years, from 2015 to 2017, the self-storage business has become a billion-dollar industry. In 2017, reaching $4 billion and counting. There are 52 storage facilities in Tacoma alone. I googled it. You can fact check me later. I got to admit that when um, my husband Dave and I moved 12 years ago, we um, stored some of our stuff in a storage unit while we were in that process of moving. But even though we had a plenty big house for all of our stuff, we still kept that storage unit for an entire year afterwards and ended up giving away most of that stuff. So I um, joke with my kids that they're going to have a lot of fun getting rid of all of our stuff when we're gone. Well, I don't know about you, but reading the gospel lesson this morning made me uncomfortable. And I felt convicted because I can identify with that rich man. And you know, the problem with reading the Bible is that sometimes it just cuts right to the heart. Like it says in Hebrews, it's sharper than a two-edged sword, cutting both ways, piercing in it till it divides soul from spirit, joints from marrow. It's able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. It pierces your soul, and you feel exposed. And that's the way I felt, because I can identify with a man who wants to follow Jesus. I really, really do want to follow you. But he has a lot of stuff. And when Jesus tells him to give it all up, give it away, sell all your positions and give it to the poor, when he hears this, he's shocked. And he went away grieving, for he had many possessions. Well, when I wanted to just run away from this text, I figured out I can't do that because i got to preach on it. <laughs> so I didn't really have an out. So digging deeper into the Mark text, I was struck by a few things. One is the fact that the man is so eager to learn how to inherit eternal life. That's his question, right? as if somehow he can earn it, but you can't earn something that you inherit. 
You inherit something when someone dies. But he wanted to somehow think that keeping the commandments, which he says he has done from birth, gives him some credibility. He's a righteous guy. Perhaps he thinks he'll get a medal for perfect commandment keeping, or at least some kind of award from Jesus. But if he wanted praise, he asked the wrong guy. Jesus not only doesn't congratulate him, but he says, there is one thing you lack. Now, how can someone who seemingly has everything lack anything? But you see, the one thing was not a thing. The one thing he lacked was not something you can buy or own or possess. The one thing was a relationship, was a connection, a relationship with Jesus as his follower, a connection to a community that included the poor. This was what the man was shocked about and made him sad because he didn't want to have to give up his riches, not even for a relationship. In fact, his riches created a barrier to the relationships. It separated him from the non-rich. To give up what he had would put him in a vulnerable position. He would be vulnerable, perhaps for the first time, not having all his stuff to trust in, but instead having to trust completely in Jesus and follow him. So for Jesus to ask him to give all of that up to follow him was really asking him to give up control, to give up power over his own life. And this, I think, is what makes it so difficult to follow Jesus and where that struggle comes in. Because frankly, I don't want to give up control. I don't want to be so vulnerable. I like my stuff. At least I like the illusion that I have some control over my life. Thanks for the invitation, Jesus, but I think I'll have to pass. Jesus notes how difficult it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God like a camel going through the eye of a needle. Just imagine that. Have you seen a camel? Yet Jesus says this, for humans it is impossible but not for God. For with God, all things are possible. Now, where have we heard that before? Where have we heard that with God, it's not impossible, that nothing is impossible? At Jesus' birth announcement, the angel Gabriel appears and tells Mary she's going to have a baby, and she wonders how it can happen. It just seems impossible, but the angel explains it and says that with God... Nothing is impossible. Jesus himself is living proof that with God, nothing is impossible. So who better to trust your life with, to trust your riches with, than Jesus? So another thing I wondered is, why does Jesus say this to the rich man. Why does he ask him to give up all of his possessions and give it to the poor? Jesus knows it would be impossible for him. Is Jesus testing him? Is Jesus wanting to make his life hard? Is Jesus just being mean? 
Well, we have a clue in Mark's gospel. Before he gives him the invitation to follow him, it says, Jesus looking at him loved him. He loved him. And I think it's important to notice this detail because it's out of love that Jesus invites him to follow him, to follow him to discover new treasure, treasure in heaven, treasure of relationships that will outlast any treasure here on earth because, after all, you can't take your stuff with you. And Jesus, knowing the grip that his possessions had on him, invites him to discover a new life and freedom from what possessed him. You see, I don't really think that Jesus cared all that much about his stuff or his riches, but what he cared about was him and his heart. And so out of love for him, he says the hard things. Sometimes love requires saying the hard things. And that's what Jesus does. I like the way that Caroline Lewis describes this in her reflection on the text this week. She says, this is not just a lesson that wealth is inherently bad and that you should give more money to the poor. It is rather an insistence that wealth, without a commitment to connection, will pull you away from the relationship that Jesus wants for you that God became flesh for you. That wealth, without seeing the other, among other things, leads to narcissism. Wealth, without loving the other, exposes the absence of empathy. Wealth, without the risk of answering an invitation to join something outside of yourself, to follow a path not known, not planned out, results in fear. The point, it is not what Jesus asks us to give up, but in what and in whom Jesus needs us to give in. I'll say that again. The point, it is not what Jesus asks us to give up, but in what and in whom Jesus needs us to give in. And that a letting go ends up being a leaning in. Well, we live in a world that values wealth in our culture, almost to the point of worshiping it, and therein lies the danger. And that is why we need to hear, I need to hear this gospel, especially today. When we value celebrity and the wealthy over those who are poor and in need, we need to hear this gospel. And just imagine what could happen when we take it seriously and we take Jesus up on his invitation in letting go and giving in. What if we took even some of our stuff and gave it away to the poor? What if storage units in this country were emptied and converted into housing for homeless folks? And what if that stuff inside was sold or given to those who needed it? Sounds impossible, doesn't it? But I do know individuals and churches 
that do this, that think about the impossible. Imagine the kingdom of God. And they build low-income housing and give away some of their land and house people in really creative ways. Because with God, nothing is impossible. You know, Jesus doesn't just love the rich man, he also loves the poor. And he loves all people. And he doesn't just ask the rich man to give up everything, but to give it to the poor. So who are those poor today? Did you know that in the world, two-thirds of the world are considered the poor who live on less than $2 a day? That is less than the gallon of a gas or less than a tall drip coffee with room for cream. We also are going to pray for the poor in our country and around the world today, and that is a good thing to do. But we also have the opportunity today to take some action, to give in a different way. In our country, we are one of the wealthiest nations on earth, and we are responsible as citizens to be good stewards of that wealth. And because of that, we have a say in how our budget is spent. Millions of dollars each year can go towards feeding hungry both here in the U.S. and abroad. And it costs only a fraction of our national budget and benefits so many. So today, we are also going to have the opportunity to not only give of our monetary offerings, and that's important, but also to participating in another kind of offering, an offering of letters. And in your bulletins, there should be an insert from Bread for the World. It's an insert that talks about ways in which we can do this, in participating in an offering of letters. Bread for the World is an organization that has been dedicated for years to advocating for the hungry, the poorest of the poor. And their goal is to end hunger by 2030. Now, that may seem impossible, but remember, with God, nothing is impossible. And that's only 12 years away. Through the letter-writing campaign, Bread for the World has had an overall impact in helping to feed hungry people all over the world. Yet there is still a great need. In the weeks ahead, voters, along with our elected officials, will make decisions that will affect one in eight U.S. families who struggle to get enough to eat. So I want to encourage us today to find out more about this in the parish commons um, right outside here and perhaps even to write a letter. There will be materials available for you to do that here or you can take it home with you. And for those of you uh, born in the digital age and aren't sure how to actually write a letter. Uh, there, are, there is email available as well. You can do it through email. And that's what I did. It's easy, and it only takes a few minutes. And we have folks that can assist you. So how will we answer Jesus' call to come and follow? 
You know, I love that in our Lutheran liturgy, we're reminded today and every Sunday how much God loves us, as Pastor Jan reminded us right in the beginning. And we also next are going to make confession that we know that we've failed, that we haven't always loved our neighbors as ourselves, and we ask for forgiveness. And it is out of that love and forgiveness that we have received that we then take an offering. It follows confession and forgiveness as a reminder that we don't do this to somehow earn our salvation, not out of guilt, but out of our response to God's great love for us. That love that we don't earn, but we inherit through Jesus Christ. And we are called beloved children of God. So today, we are left both with these challenging words of Jesus. To give everything to the poor, to come and follow me. And I pray today that we live into that invitation of Jesus. To choose and follow in some way. To let go. To lean in. And to hear the good news. That with God, nothing is impossible. Amen.